Welcome, creatures real and unreal, to the unfair folk, an unbalanced undertaking to understand myths. I am your chimeric co-host, Jack. Uh, and I'm your confused co-host, Mora. As it so often is, the co-host is very confused. Um, so welcome back. Thank you. I still don't know what to make of the message you sent me. I... Which one? I, I'm very excited. Oh, the one asking you if you wanted to record this episode. Okay, yes. I Yeah. When I first learned <laughs> about this, uh, I was very excited about it and very excited to talk about it. And this was before I was even doing uh, guests on the program, but I h- heard about this individual, this um, specter, this talking in <laughs> animal. And uh, immediately thought, oh, Mora's going to love this, and I need to share this. Oh, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited. So the fact that you could be here for the, you know, live, filmed live in front of a studio audience <laughs> um, <laughs> production is very exciting. Um, you are a fan of ferrets and weasels and uh, uh, the small furry boys, yes? I, I am a fan of the mustelids, yes. The mustelids, there we go. Um, I think mustelids are very good. I'm a fan of most rodents. Um, I had some gerbils when I was younger. Had to give them to my cousins because my cats kept trying to eat them. <laughs> We're going to talk about Jeff the Mongo. <laughs> want you to talk about a different kind of mustelid. Mustavid? Mustelid. Mustelid with the L. There we go. Unless I'm deeply wrong and then I will be publicly shamed for this, but I'm pretty sure it's mustelid. By my millions and millions of listeners, they will yes. drag you through the streets. Um, <laughs> if Listen, if I haven't been publicly shamed for my pronunciation of things on this program yet, it's not going to happen. Until, <laughs> like, I don't know, Dr. Oz retweets me and I go viral. I'm just waiting <laughs> for like, it to happen. If Dr. Oz retweets Dr. me, Oz. something has gone terribly wrong in one of our careers. Oh, for sure. But we are going to talk about uh, something a little off the beaten path. Normally we do myths uh, associated with, you know, a religion or pantheon. Um, This is more of a folklore, urban legend. I don't know how urban it is because it takes place in the 1930s. I I think urban has less to do with time and more to do with locale. But, okay. Well, it was also... A small town in Britain. It's it's in a hamlet. Well, we can discuss whether this constitutes an urban legend. Okay. Um, I have also done my own quote-unquote research into what this thing could have been. Because there's, there's also two ca- uh, camps here. One camp of this is a faked phenomena. Mm-hmm. This family lied about what was happening to them. Or this is a real thing... What is it? Okay. Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Oh, the Talking Mongoose. He talks. Okay. Now, his name is spelled G-E-F, which kind of pisses me off already. Because it's every time in my notes, because I am a journalist, I am obligated to spell this individual sentient mongoose's name correctly, the way the Lord intended. (laughs) (laughs) The way God and Jesus intended I always see it as G, as G, so I'm reading Geff. Yeah. Which I almost like better. <laughs> Geff. I, it because makes me think of, like, Hef, like Hefe, like sure. Boss the Talking <laughs> Mongoose. Boss the Mongoose. I love that. <laughs> Hefe. Um, uh, but he, he was also known as the Dalby Spook. Oh. 
which sounds a little more ominous. I don't know of all, of of all his titles, uh, whether it was just Jeff or the Talking Mongoose or the Dalby Spook. Many titled mongoose. To set the scene, we are in the uh, Cashin's Gap in Britain, near the hamlet of Dalby, on the Isle of Man. Okay. Um, small rural, as far as I like, but they lived in a farmhouse. Lights up on the Irving family. The Irving family consisted of James and Margaret, it's the couple, and their 13-year-old daughter named, and I looked up how to pronounce this, Vori. V-O-I-R-R-E-Y. Given the the time period, I I really thought you were going to say the couple and their 13 children (laughs) is where I thought that sentence was going. Uh, also, Vori? Vori. I think I have a Vaporeon named that in Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. <laughs> Excellent. Um, this was a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and she is a, she is of keen interest in this story. Although I suppose the entire family is sort of uh, under keen interest. The, most of the focus about this um, in, f- through the camp of people who believe it was a hoax is either on the daughter or the husband. Okay. I feel like faking a cryptid is 13-year-old behavior, and then exploiting your child's fake cryptid to try to get money from it is definitely James' behavior. (laughs) My apologies (laughs) to any person named James who may or may not be listening to this. Rip to all Jameses. Um, So in September 1931, uh, they claimed they heard scratching, rustling, you know, stuff in the walls in their uh, farmhouse, which if you've ever lived on a farm or like anywhere near woods, it's, rural it's areas, squirrels. especially. It's squirrels yeah. in the walls and they're fucking. Mm-hmm. That happened squirrels, in my house. Mice. There's all sorts of rodents is what I'm saying. Yes. There's all sorts of critters out. that like to get in walls. They, they hear scratching, rustling, persistent scratching, rustling skittering in the walls and to top all that off what makes this uh you need to get the fuck out of their situation potentially is they heard vocal noises i believe it was uh described and then they started to see something i don't know if they described it differently or if it looked different every time they saw it but they described it as a ferret they described it as a dog and they described it as like a baby oh one of these things is which not is kind like of the, the other. <laughs> right like ferret okay i can see that dog and a little weird dog in the walls i don't know if they have you could extend the shapes of a ferret into a dog shape pretty reasonably but a like a human baby like a human baby i hate that if there was just a baby in my in the house walls. <laughs> i would be very upset about that i have to say (laughs) baby in the walls um so they see these they see these flashes of this creature they hear scurrying they hear rat scratching rustling and like vocal noises baby scurrying is such a (laughs) wretched mental like a dog or a ferret scurrying that's the proper verb for how they can move you know those scurry scurry pretty naturally a baby a humans shouldn't scurry is not should not 
be capable of any motion that could truthfully be described as scurrying. Scurrying. I'm thinking about it Scrambling. I'm thinking about a fucking toddler just fucking jittering down a hallway, like tic-tacking on its fucked up little limbs on all fours or something. And fucking diaper. And I'm I'm, I'm guessing and hoping that they saw the ferret one first. So they, because then like, if they see a flash of something and they're like, was that a baby? They can be like, no. It was probably that ferret. Maybe it's got mange. Um, Maybe our wall ferret has mange. Honey, come quick. I think the wall ferret... You remember the wall ferret, right? I think it has mange. Do we want to leave it some, like, eczema lotion? (laughs) And I'm imagining, like, my dad told me a story about how when he... He grew up on a farm. Like, Mm -hmm. deep south farm. uh, Didn't wear shoes for most of his childhood. Ringworm farm. And he went out when he to get the eggs from the chickens for breakfast one day when he was 12 or 13. And when he put his hand up into where the chicken was to check under the chicken, it felt furry. And it hissed at him. And it had turned out that a mongoose had gotten into the chicken coop and eaten a lot of eggs. And also, I think, yep. maybe one of the chickens. I can't recall. He might not have told me that part when I was young. <laughs> Probably ate a chicken. So my dad did what any... 12 or 13 year old would do and he went into the house and he got his 22 rifle and he shot it of course as one does and this was in the 70s 80s so when we're talking about the 30s i don't think people i think if you saw if a rat got close enough for you to touch i think you just punched it oh like i (laughs) I think you just punted that little bastard right into the wall so i think them being like oh there's something weird and furry that might be a ferret with mange in our walls they're like, yeah, there's also 8 million rats, other f- other things that I walk through and buy before they could, I guess, shoot this thing or figure out yeah. what it was. It, it introduced itself. Oh. Cryptids don't normally I- introduce themselves. No, I was gonna say that's very polite of it, but then I remembered that it's been scurrying around their house in assorted alarming forms for an indetermined amount of time. And so I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull back on necessarily that being polite. I think he kind of missed the window there of like <laughs> polite introductions. I'm your new neighbor who lives in your walls. Yeah. But I, like... I wanna know where this is going, because usually critters in stories like this don't really introduce themselves unless yeah. they're like actively murdering you and they're being like, let me tell you what I am real quick. Let me that is a little plot. bit of a fair point. Yeah, like Rumpelstiltskin doesn't really do a big reveal. He just tries to take the baby. Yeah. Jeff might not be this thing's real name. If you really want to get into the lore of it, we'll talk about that. Okay. So it, it introduced itself as Jeff. When the Irvings refer to him, they, re- they usually say he. When the tabloids are reporting, they say it. So that's kind okay. of the... Jeff is a guest to the Irvings. Yes. He introduced himself and said he was a mongoose born in New Delhi, India in 1852. I love that he just has this information ready to go. <laughs> he has, it's on his business card. Um, <laughs> his passport. Yes, his passport. Is <laughs> the one of those little special pet ones with his paw print on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, according to Vori, uh, Vori was the one who reported this information, which is why some people implicate her. According to Vori, Jeff was the size of a small rat with yellowish fur and a large bushy tail. He had human hands and human feet. That doesn't sound much like a mongoose. 
No. Yeah. And just or a ferret or a dog or a baby. It is not. And that is what a lot of people use to cast doubt on the story. Because the appearance of this thing, as it is described and captured in some ways, changes. Mm. I have a theory. Any shapeshifter? I have a it's a tinfoil hat theory, but it is, yes, along the lines of shapeshifter. So here are some direct quotes from Jeff. Or I guess these are hearsay quotes because they were reported back. Most of the communication about what Jeff said came from the Irvings. Some of it did come from Jeff himself. Other people outside of the Irvings did report hearing Jeff, but most of the, like, written down quotes from him are being recalled. He describes himself as, I am a freak. He described himself as an earthbound spirit, a ghost in the form of a mongoose. I'm a freak. I'm a weirdo. I'm a freak. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, it's not even freak. It's creep. It's creep. My brain really went, hello. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, and turned into stone or a pillar of salt. I love this. I love his descriptors of himself. I like that that the Irvings don't get turned into pillars of salt, though. Although, to be fair, from their own descriptions, he is only ever, he's glimpsed. Mm. He's not like, he's the, um, he's like the frog from Looney Tunes, you know? It tap dances behind you. So is he, like, delivering this, like soliloquy from within the walls sometimes is that how he introduced himself or like yes he also regularly accompanied them on trips to the market but he always stayed on the other side of the hedge interesting so he stayed like in but like they would report like talking to him all the way and hearing replies but most of the time he was glimpsed vori was also uh apparently an early fixation of, of Jeff's. Jeff was very attached to Vori okay. for some reason. When her parents attempted to move her bed into their room when all of this was starting and they were just hearing Jeff, I assume because they were also a little worried that something was in their walls yeah. and they didn't know if he was a friend yet, uh, he apparently said, I'll follow her wherever you move oh, her. Jeff, baby boundaries. Yeah. Uh, that's another reason that people think it might have also been her, though. Mm. Uh, is that if if Jeff was fixated on her, it might be because he had to be because she was doing the voice. Uh, people, a lot of people think this was ventriloquism oh. on her part or on the father's part. I know people are incredible and talented. If she, if a thirteen year old girl in Britain in the thirties was apt to do this level of ventriloquism and fool. Her parents, which again, reportedly a lot of the reason people think she was doing it too is because the father was apparently like a diehard Jeff believer, Uh. Jeff truther, like fully was like Jeff is real. And like for an adult man in the 1930s to be like this thing is real, people were more apt to believe that the kid was fooling Mm. him. Like they really believed that he believed this. There there was also a, a, a legal case about this. Interesting. This guy named Lambert believed the story of Jeff. And then this other guy, Sir Cecil Levita, uh, suggested to a friend that Lambert was unfit to be on the board of the British Film Institute because he was crazy because he believed in Jeff. The drama. Then Lambert sued him for slander. Excellent. Very good. You said I was an idiot for believing in a talking mongoose and I'm going to make it a matter of public record. Very bold. Dude. Very, he either really, he either didn't say what he thought he said or he really believed in that fucking mongoose. If the Irving family was faking this, if any member of the Irving family was faking this, it would be very interesting to me because 
Jeff was supposedly multilingual um, because he spoke phrases in English, French, German, Yiddish, Spanish, Flemish, but and Hebrew. Didn't you say he's from New Delhi? He's from supposedly New Delhi. Interesting language choices for Jeff. Interesting language choices. I can actually see, like, let's say that whatever this thing was isn't actually from New Delhi. I mean, yeah. And just New New Delhi was the last place they were located. Mm-hmm. This Around this time, there was a lot of British presence in New Delhi. No, that's... Especially, yeah. and in the 1850s as well. I, this is, I'm going off the, my American gods thesis. <laughs> <laughs> um, of people can bring their mythology with them. Yeah. Right? So that's why we have things like the fae in america Mm -hmm. when they are initially a european origin yeah so if a british apparition let's call him went to india along with the british invasion Mm -hmm. and occupation and colonization of india and then decided to go back to britain in the 30s it might tell the family it's staying with oh i'm from new delhi both because that's easier yeah as as someone this is also coming from someone who has moved around a lot yeah. um so i sometimes have to decide what where to tell people i'm yeah. from so maybe jeff was born in new delhi maybe his origin is in fact indian or maybe he said well the last place i was was new delhi so that's where i'm gonna what i'm gonna say where i'm from yeah i also want to know both if he's real how the family knew what language he was speaking and if he told them. Because I could imagine, like, so they might be more cultured than we think. Or, like, did they, if it's ventriloquy, how did they fake that? Yeah. For the others. Was it, like, when you see people speaking in tongues in church and they're just babbling, like, making up words? I'm not going to do it because it makes me uncomfortable, but if you look up, like, people speaking in tongues, you can see a lot of people that are just free association syllables. I mean, when I was... Um, very little. My family lived in Argentina. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes me, a toddler, would be interacting with people who did not speak Spanish. And I would just, here's, I knew how to speak Spanish for context. I could speak at this point in time. And Mm -hmm. I could speak both English and Spanish as much as a three-year-old can. Right. But sometimes... I have been told, because I don't fucking remember that, obviously, that sometimes when we were with people who didn't speak any Spanish, and I knew they didn't speak Spanish, I would just make sounds at them in a Spanish (gasps) accent, and they thought I was talking. And apparently my toddler (laughs) self took an unholy delight in that. That's also probably... So that could be what's happening here. If you know the mouth sounds of a language sure you can especially if you're like a child and you're a bastard which i was at three and am to this day uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> that that what i'm thinking of is this mm-hmm. if it was if it was the father maybe mm-hmm. but all reports like the majority of people suspect the daughter and i am such a fan of like weird little girls being very very powerful but how but much education either a 13 year old how much girl in 1931 in england have yeah um, cause she also maintained that this was real her whole life. Mm-hmm. They all did. All, everyone in the family maintained that Jeff was real. Yeah, so I would time. be genuinely very, very impressed if this 13 year old girl was faking this. Hell yeah. Hell I yeah. also love the possibility that some 
paranormal creature just started vibing with this like 1930s farm girl yeah just like i'll follow her i don't know this girl's crazy i love her like like yeah she you, didn't you called this girl boring when she saw me scuttling around the house and she you know she she like she's a good conversationalist <laughs> he also he was like helpful too so he did he did some stuff that again a lot of this is secondhand reported mm-hmm. um but the family would really have to much like the town close ranks to be able to perpetrate this because jeff would uh apparently wake people up if they overslept oh he would put out uh the fire at night if someone if you had forgotten to put out the fire he would put it out he killed mice although he apparently preferred to scare them out of the house rather than kill them interesting um but if occasionally he would kill them um oh they also believe that he might be able to have the power to become invisible they fed him biscuits uh which i think are the british biscuits so i'm imagining like little like cookies? cookies but it's also the 1930s so i Something in between cookies and like hard tack, yeah, probably, probably. cement, <laughs> just like yeah, flour discs with some sugar in them. Um, but I don't know. They might have. I might be painting too grim a picture because they also gave him chocolates and bananas. They like everybody's different, right? There were rich people, there were poor people. Um, and if they're giving him chocolates and bananas, like that's cool. Uh, they left him food in a saucer suspended oh, from the ceiling, which he took, and this is was was what I found interesting. It was phrased as he took uh, the food when he thought no one was watching. Mm. So that makes me think he that like- He was seen at least once. He was seen taking the food. Like if, it, if it's a real thing, sometimes it's going to be sneaky and sometimes it's not going to be sneaky because it would also be very easy to be like, well, he's a magic shape-shifting mongoose. No one's ever seen him. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Um, although- the proof in some people's minds that they have presented, and the physical proof they have presented, cast more doubt on their story, which we'll get to. Okay. They asked him what if he knew what death was. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. I don't know why. I mean, I guess if it's a magical talking mongoose, I'd ask it a lot of questions. I think if you had a mystical creature living in your house, you might want to get a litmus test on where it is on the, like, death and killing spectrum. If... I'm going full, like, tin hat. This is just my headcanon if I was writing, like, a fan fiction of this. <laughs> I like to think that Vori was like, can you please not kill the mice? And yeah. he was like, fine. I guess. Because he liked her so much. And I can totally imagine, like, 13-year-old farm girl is like, all creatures are beautiful. I can also imagine 13-year-old farm girl being like, kill those fucking mice right kill now. Them. I, don't know what, I don't know how to do, like, a British farm accent because I was fully just going to be like, get that fucking barman out of my goddamn, like... <laughs> I live in Britain. <laughs> Tea and biscuits. Um, crumpets. Oh, God. Um, he's quoted, when, when he was asked what death was, he said, a changeover, which... Interesting. This is a, a sub-theory of mine, um, is that he said he was from India, uh, which has a lot of uh, religions like Hinduism and Buddhism With that... Reincarnation, right? Exactly. So... He could have been, like, a kick-ass Buddhist. Uh, Or, I guess, I think the way Buddhism works is animals are less preferable than humans, I think. I I don't know if all animals are less preferable than humans. I know some are, at least. Um, So maybe he was a shitty Buddhist. (laughs) 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 I mean, I don't know why this particular uh, reincarnation would include 
the power of speech. Maybe there's maybe like one in a million. They're like, well, he wasn't good enough to be another person, but he wasn't shitty enough to be just a mongoose. So maybe he can talk. Like that's I don't know the council on. Mm -hmm. I don't know what karmic forces to to decide, but, you know, that could be it. If it was just a talking mongoose, too, he had human hands and human feet. Oh. Again, like, I don't know if something got mixed up in the reincarnation pipeline. This is starting to sound like he looks more and more like the drawings from the scary stories to tell in the dark books. It's funny you should say that. Because... There is a black and white imagining of him that I can't decide if it's cute or not. Hold on, let me send it to you. That's Jeff. I think it's cute when I don't look at the feet. Yeah. I, even the hands, I might be able to be like, oh, little hands, but like... It's the lack of fur near them. I like his little cat whiskers and what look to be extremely long eyelashes. Yeah, or eyebrows. I don't know. He looks like he has like um, Daniel Levy eyebrows. Kinda, yeah. Fully. And then, but, like, the hands remind me of, like, the cat movie CGI, where it just sort of, like, fades into skin and Mm. nobody likes that. (laughs) Um, There are, like, photos of him, quote-unquote, too, but they're not good photos, because this is also the 30s, and it was, like, kind of trying to hide, so it's just literally, like, a dark, furry shape that... In some photos, like the way they described is like, sometimes it looks like a squirrel, and sometimes it looks like a cat, and maybe it looks like a sheepdog, so they're either they're describing the different forms this thing is taking through things that could have been photographed to fake its appearance. Yeah, and I like I do think it is worth mentioning that people for as long as we've had photography, we've had people who are really really good at photo doctoring. Um, it's really interesting when you look into it too because like the way that people would double develop film, so they would develop film and then develop over it to make it look like you know, ghosts or whatever. It's fascinating stuff. The links that old time people would go to to uh, forge things is commendable. And it really, really is. To be doctored photos, they're bad photos. Like, they aren't compelling. As someone who knows the tricks, I don't think they did any fancy tricks. I don't think anyone Mm -hmm. else thinks they did any fancy tricks either. If they were faking it, what they did was take a blurry photograph of a squirrel or weasel or whatever that the, where the lighting was bad, which was very easy to do. Like, again, it, they, it doesn't look like a purposefully bad photo because this is the 1930s. So the cameras they're using are just like, well, there's a shape and it was mm-hmm. an animal that's moving. So even if it was Jeff, he's not posing, right? No. So like- he didn't like to be seen, it sounds like. The quote he gave where I'm a freak, I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint was one of the reasons <laughs> Jeff gave for not wanting to be caught on film. Um, Margaret apparently was one of the few who could get him to do anything. Interesting. Yeah, apparently she was the one who got him to pose, or not pose, she was the one who got him to come out long enough to take a picture of him. So like the clearest photo of him looks like it could be something perched on a fence, you know, just like Mm -hmm. an animal shape perched on a fence. Um, So that's not, you know, and that, that is, that's, those photos are what did it for people to, to be like, well, this is a hoax. Because these are ridiculous. Interesting. Which I think isn't fair, because also, not to be, again, like, I'm just layering the tinfoil on now. <laughs> get, <laughs> get used to it. We're here to talk about fairies. Um, they could have faked the photos because they couldn't get a photo of Jeff, and they wanted to prove he was real. Because I have known sometimes people to 
not have proof of a true thing and try to fake proof, which I'm, mm-hmm. you know, is somewhat sympathetic to the sense of like, if something is true and you're lying about the proof that you have, that doesn't make the thing not true, but it certainly does make it look not true. Yeah, that's the downside of that. Like yeah. you immediately lose all credibility. Yeah, is the thing. And some people, so maybe they were willing to risk that. Who knows? I don't necessarily take the photos as proof one way or the proof other. Proof one way or yeah, another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because, because there's too many variable factors. Other quotes from Jeff. You don't know what damage or harm I could do if I were roused. I could kill you all, but I won't. <laughs> so this might cast some light onto why maybe they wanted to move their daughter's bed into their room. Here's another quote from him that might put the other quotes into a little bit of context. I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> Hell of a resume there, Jeff. Fun fact, le- the Lemon Demon song, Eighth mm-hmm. Wonder, is about Jeff the Mongoose. Absolutely incredible. Vori, if you, from beyond the grave, are <laughs> listening to this and you did fake it all, I, you are- Icon. S- Stephen King can suck my nuts. Fucking like, you have crafted, shit. absolutely, and I hope that, like- if I found out tomorrow, like, if a letter came out tomorrow that she wrote, like, that said, yeah, I faked it all and, like, definitively proved it, I would go out and get her face tattooed on my body. <laughs> yeah. Like, and someone would be like, oh, what is that? And I'd be like, oh, this this is the coolest bitch that ever lived. This is the baddest 1931 British farm girl who ever existed. Absolutely. There would be, it would be, like, her, like, half her face and half Jeff's face on my ankle or like a full back tattoo <laughs> oh yeah just to set the just scene like... her like holding jeff yes oh that's a good one there you go just down the length of my spine yeah. that says and and around it in like really fancy text is i'll split the atom i am the, I am the fifth dimension the i am the eighth wonder of the world absolutely it's I mean, also the like hell of a quote too just on its own yeah yeah i can see why lemon demon wrote a song about them uh he was sometimes clairvoyant and sometimes was not. I love sometimes clairvoyant. Sometimes clairvoyant has such a lovely... Isn't that just the plot of That's So Raven? Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Here's the thing. I don't think clairvoyance <laughs> is a constant because in, it sometimes is like, but that's not tenable. Like most people who claim to be clairvoyant or psychic aren't saying I'm constantly living 10 seconds ahead of you. Most, clairvo- most clairvoyant people or people who claim to be clairvoyant get, like, that's a raven, visions. So it's possible that Jeff, it's also possible that yeah. Jeff was lying. Because even if he was supernatural, mm-hmm. supernatural things lie. If he was a demon or a ghost. He might not have been that much impressive. He might not have been the Yeah, fully. He could legitimately just have been a talking mongoose with people hands and feet. And, like, had been kicked out of so many other farmhouses that he was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna lie and threaten them. And just Yeah, so they won't murder. kick me out and feed, they'll feed me bananas. Uh, he also reportedly would speak oftentimes when uh, her husband, Mar- sorry, Margaret's husband, James, uh, okay. was not in the house. So that's another reason why people who believe this was the daughter, because she was also probably the one in the house the most. Yeah. Like, 
the husband would go out and do things. The wife might go out and do things. The daughter, it's the 1930s. She's not like going to the movies. Uh, Margaret asked Jeff about where like James was. He apparently had been gone for a while. I don't know how long, long absence, quote unquote. And Jeff responded, he, she was like, where is he? Can you tell me where he is? And Jeff responded, I don't know. I have not got my magic phones on. Love that. So he has accessories. <laughs> <laughs> they This became reported in the tabloid press, whatever that was in the 1930s. Um, and then like a lot of people started coming to see Jeff, to try to see him. And that's when you get people saying, locals and visitors, claiming to have seen and heard Jeff. Uh, two have apparently claimed to seen it. Several other people claim to have heard him. Um, here is what the quote that I love from one of the people who heard it that I think adds some weight to the discussion. Had I heard a weasel speak? I do not know, but I do know that I have heard today a voice which I should never have imagined could issue from a human throat. That the people who claim it was the voice of the strange weasel seem sane, honest, and responsible folk and not likely to indulge in a difficult, long, drawn-out, and unprofitable practical joke to make themselves the top of the world, and that others have had the same experience as myself. From, from an external point of view, also the fact that so many people were like, not, maybe not inclined to believe the mongoose, but also not inclined to believe that the people were making it up. Yeah. I think that that happens a lot when people fail to believe in things, fail to allow for the possibility to enter their minds where they have this mm -hmm. view of the world of like, well, mongooses don't talk, which to be fair, sure. Yeah. They don't. No, I've never met a talking mongoose. They don't. Um, so that means a mongoose can never talk and anyone, you know, and it is, it is a little bit of Occam's razor of like, well, the simplest explanation is that they're lying. Yeah. Like that's just the easiest is that they're lying. But then when you have to go into it and be like, well, how are they lying about and this? And to what end? The person, the the quote coming from the person saying, like, this is an unprofitable practical joke. Yeah. Like, there is no They aren't account. selling Jeff merch. No. So, some notable people that went Jeff hunting, uh, <laughs> that, you know, we might, would call the ghost adventurers of the day. Um, Excellent. In, in 1935. So, again, this is four years after Jeff has first turned up. Made his debut. And uh, that's a long time to keep that up yeah he uh he was this guy who was an editor of this uh newspaper i believe called the listener richard lambert who was the guy who believed it um mm -hmm. that again we later talked about suing yeah <laughs> um, yeah uh and his friend who was a paranormal investigator named harry price which is such a paranormal investigator name in the 30s it, it absolutely a, it's a paranormal investigator name it's also like a 70s porn star name harry price yeah yeah but I'm just mad, like, ah, and what? Also, Harry like, Price, the yeah. main character of a very weird noir detective novel. Precisely, that's what I'm picturing. Like, the <laughs> names, Harry Pr I don't know. Either It's either, like, the 30s voice, which I always picture as being like, nah, or it's the, like, noir <laughs> voice, which is like, the name's Harry Price. So he ended up, um, they ended up writing a book, uh, and it called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap. Uh, they avoided saying whether or not they believed the story in the book they just sort mm -hmm. of reported the facts of the case if you can call them that um 
the, a hair from the alleged mongoose was sent to this guy who sent it to another guy, uh, a naturalist. I don't know why it's detailed that they sent it to a guy who sent it to another guy, but it, that's specified, so sure, okay. They sent it to Huxley, who sent it to Duncan, who identified it as uh, dog hair. Because they, um, the Irvings had a sheepdog named Mona. As, anyone who is, as someone who has owned animals, I can tell you, hair gets everywhere. There's Everywhere. like, it's it's possible they picked up the hair and thought it was his. Yeah. Um, or again, they were trying to fake it because they weren't getting proof of this thing. Or potentially, if this thing can change its shape, it, the hair... Because they mentioned it looking like a dog Yes. early so on. That's what kind of gets me is that like, I'm like, what are you analyzing it for? Talk, like, are you comparing it to other talking mongooses? Like, that you just have records of? Yeah. <laughs> Because I would love to see those. And it's been shown that, like, hair analysis is iffy at best in the sense of, like, this was back before we had DNA analysis, which can also be iffy. The cops Mm -hmm. are always corrupt. Um, But, like, just purely on the analysis standpoint, they would, like, just look at two hairs under a microscope and try to see if they were the same. And go, neat, matches, or... Or doesn't. So as someone who's gone on a hair, like hair can look a lot of different ways. Human hair can, animal hair can. But that's, you know, I am reporting the facts. Price then asked Reginald Pocock, which I only mentioned by name because his name is Reginald Pocock. And he works at the Natural History Museum because of course he does. Of course. Uh, And he evaluated paw prints allegedly made by Jeff in plasticine, which I think it's just like... It's a cast. Quick hardening sort of flexible thing. Um, Because I think they laid it out as sort of a uh, catch a jeff trap you know like get a paw print Mm -hmm. trap um and that's supposedly how they got the paw print again they're leaving out these things in a farm yeah this is not a closed environment yeah Um, and and also again potentially a shapeshifter this is why para paranormal research frustrates me because a lot of the people doing it act like what they're doing is definitive So it's either the people being like, well, these paw prints were made by this sort of animal and you've described the animal in this sort of way. So it couldn't be that when, again, they're not, I guess, taking into account the fact that this thing might be able to shapeshift. And to be fair, if I I would not feel comfortable looking a scientist in the face and saying, have you considered it shapeshifts? Yeah, for sure. That's not really like a thing that comes up when you're debating that sort of thing they they also got a cast of the teeth marks supposed teeth marks by jeff which i would imagine it would be easier to get than paw prints because if he like eats something or kills another whatever whatever again i will also say dental forensics nowadays sketchy as hell people people saying they can match bite mark evidence is not really a thing i'm not a forensic psychologist or scientist or anything of the sort it's just an interest of mine. Yes. I will believe that you can tell a human bite mark from a bear bite mark from a fox bite mark from a whatever. Like with some yeah, degree of certainty. Yeah, the jaw structure is so different. Yes. Like the, le- the legitimate, I think a layman could do that. Because I know, I grew up around country folks, so I know people who can look at a gnawed bone and look at the teeth marks and be like, well, that's around the size of a possum rather than a, a, like coyote. But they're also, yeah. you know not saying 
I have this possum and I'm matching that possum's teeth to this bite mark. And again, po- the, the fucking, the shapeshifter allegation, I guess, that is on the table. Exactly. Like all of this. But the point of it is, is it isn't actually a mongoose. It's, yes. It looks like a mongoose and yes. alleges to be a mongoose, I think you said it claimed he claimed to be a mongoose. They're they're saying like if we can't find proof that a mongoose was here, or or if we find if the proof that we're handed is a dog, is you know proof of a dog, then it disproves the mongoose being there. Yeah, and it gets more complicated in the fact that this is like a rural farm, so you both have animals there that are wanted and animals that are not wanted that will be present and potentially trying to eat things. And by potentially trying to eat things, I mean absolutely 100% trying to eat things. The If the mongoose really was being seen then, if the mongoose was a real entity and it was just a normal mongoose, I think the parents would just see it eventually. Yeah. It would get, because this was happening over years. I think the yeah, mongoose- it would get- Tame. It would get tame if it wasn't sentient. Are you telling me four years of you feeding this thing chocolate and bananas and it's not it's not going to let you look at it? Like that means this thing is hiding to me. Or again, it's Mm -hmm. fake. Um, Because Reginald, good old Reggie Pocock, was uh, he could not match the tooth marks to any known animal. Now, what he presented this as was none of these marks have been made by a mongoose. He said one of them... Rather than, what the fuck is this? Well, this also could be a limitation of the... And I'm putting huge air quotes around science here. Uh, Yes. He said, but he was like, well, one of them could have conceivably be made by a dog. I also... Cheap dogs are bigger. Yes? Much bigger? Cheap dogs are big. Big, big, big boys. I imagine that, and that it's an entirely different shape, I would imagine, because sheepdogs generally have a solid snout, and I don't think mongooses, mongoose do. Uh, by the way, fun fact, I looked this up. Mongoose is correct. Mongooses <laughs> is also correct. Oh, it's like, it's fish, like fish and fishes. fishes. I fucking yes, hate fishes. Yeah, yeah, fishes. I, the only thing, the literal only line that works in is you're going to swim with the fishes. Yeah, that's because it. Because that's like a line. It doesn't work outside no. of that. Um, if you if you go to the Wikipedia page for Jeff, uh, of which there is one, and you scroll down, there is uh, it, it shows you these foot tracks and teeth marks. It also it's curious to me because they like the paw prints that it looks like look like paw prints. One of them looks like definitely a sheepdog. The other one looks like a weird extended paw print, like kind of larger, um, perhaps a hand, like fingers. It I don't know. It still looks animal esque. So that all, that makes me think two things of like one, he the mongoose supposedly has human hands and feet. So what is making these prints? Why are they like who is trying to pass these prints off as Jeff's? And if the the Jeff allegedly had human hands and feet, how easy would it have been for a person to go down there and just put human hands and feet in the plaster casts? Casts. They thought the Irvings might have made the paw prints with a stick, which again. The, the 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 paw prints looked so weird. They're like they thought there's there's no way this could be true, both because of the size and the differences between the front and back paws, supposedly, and like the fact that there wasn't any like fur or texture imprints. They had like they were on a farm. They could have used any of the animals they had to fake these paw prints. So using a stick, yeah. really, like the 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 them faking evidence worlds between they were like wildly competent ventriloquists pulling the wool over everyone's eyes to like they used a stick to make a fake paw which just doesn't track so that either means that like some of it is fake or none of it is fake or i don't know i can also understand how you would get caught because then they could just match up the plaster prints to your hands and feet 
but neither thing happened. They just got yeah. some paw prints. Price visited the Irvings um, and observed, uh, this is his like take on things. It was because the farmhouse was stone. So they had like the external walls and then internal paneling. So there was a lot of interior airspace between the stone and wooden walls, which he said uh, made the whole house like, uh, quote, one great speaking tube. Interesting. With walls like sounding boards. So I don't know specifically what that's referring to. I get the gist of what he's saying. Yeah. Um, he's saying that you could speak into one of the like openings in the panels and you could project your voice to various parts of the house. Mm-hmm. Price and Lambert were reportedly less enthusiastic, less than enthusiastic, pardon me, about the case. And they said only the most credulous of individuals would be impressed with the evidence for Jeff. Which, again, confuses me because Lambert was later said to have believed it. Yeah. That's what they put that later in the book. They didn't say whether or not they believed it. And then one person is saying, well, you have to be stupid. They said that one person is saying that they said you'd have to be stupid to be impressed by this evidence i don't know i know academics are a specific way but the fact that the quote about them not believing jeff comes from another guy talking about how they felt about it and the actual book that they published was a lot more ambiguous it honestly makes me think that price didn't believe and lambert did we're going to talk about the two theories now that we've heard price to talk about the um the wood paneling I, mm-hmm. It's also worth pointing out that this the wood paneling created that effect, perhaps, and um, also provided a space in between that wall and the real wall um, for perhaps a small mongoose-like creature to run around in. So that was... Yeah, I kind of figured when you said there was a, a space between the external and the internal wall. Yes. That seems like prime creature, there's something in the walls territory. Um, And this reached Harry Price's attention through, like, a friend who knew the Irvings. They weren't calling attention to themselves necessarily in the way that maybe someone who was doing this for publicity might have. Yeah. When a journalist from the Manchester Daily Dispatch visited the farm, um, he he talked about meeting Mr. Irvin sorry, blah, Irving, uh, who seemed a keen, vigorous, young-looking man. Um, and he wanted to ask about the house being haunted because that was originally, I guess, the story that, you know, telephone telephone got passed around. It was that there was a haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, and his reply was, there are no spooks here. Nothing that has happened here is supernatural. <laughs> I am being worried to death by crowds of people visiting the place. Come in, I will tell you about it. In October, so sort of conflicting... Him saying, like, oh, I'm being worried by all these people visiting, but come in, let me tell you about it. Yeah. Although I can imagine it might be different if, like, a man from the newspaper showed up versus, like, a looky-loo just wanting to see Jeff. In October, I and my daughter caught the first glimpse of the beast. It was a little animal resembling a stoat, a ferret, or a weasel. And then in November, they started hearing a strange voice. So they saw the weasel first, and then months later saw yeah that he wasn't talking at first yeah they heard him singing sentences of songs and hymns he would also apparently sing spanish folk songs badass his voice was apparently like two octaves higher than a human's would be and in uh, 1932 james the husband saw a large cat striped like a tiger 
And he thought, that's a weird cat. So he gets his gun because... Yep. <laughs> and uh, he, like, follows it. And uh, he it turns through an open gateway into a field. Already some red flags from the mythological standpoint. Uh, gates in fields are active areas for some bullshit to be happening. Same with, like, fairy rings and stuff. Um, so he followed it, like, a few seconds behind, and then it was just gone. Oh. Like, he didn't know where He turned through the gate and it was gone. Which, also, if you've seen Coraline, that's some cat shit right there. <laughs> and then he told his wife what happened, and that's when Jeff called out, it was me you saw, Jim. I love that he calls him Jim. <laughs> I love that. Not James, Jim. No, very familiar here from Jeff, which I really like. I also like that he came home and he was probably like, honey, I just saw the weirdest fucking shit. You're not going to believe this. This was so... I saw this weird-ass fucking cat. And Jeff from the walls is like, it's me, Jim. Do you remember that I can kill you, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> I am the eighth wonder of the world. He also apparently, um, like, he would help them sometimes by, like, killing rabbits and leaving it for them, which, you know, in some horror movies is a threat. But it's also in very the much 1930s, like, it's a food source. Yeah, like... It's very, like, the cat that brings you a dead animal to be like, look how good I did. And they, like, rewarded him for this behavior, because I would assume, also, if they're, like, farmer folk, this means, oh, cool, our guest caught a rabbit. It's not eating our crops. <laughs> One time, he apparently threw some stones at Margaret once when she was walking home. I think another reason people think that this is Vori is because he antagonized, Jeff antagonized the parents, mm. and not so much the child. So... I mean, but that, it also, like, if we're operating on the assumption that Jeff is real and that it could also relate to him being fixated or attached to Vori specifically. Exactly. And so that depending on how the parents are acting, they are either aiding that relationship or they are impeding that relationship. Yeah, he, he was apparently flinging, I imagine it, it was described more as, like, pebbles, like, not like rocks, yeah, rocks. No, was, I didn't think you meant, like, big yeah. fucking... Stumps. break your head open rocks especially if he's small yes it'd be little like gravel stones aiming for the face i would mm. imagine it would be notable enough for her to comment on it yeah or jeff or she could hear him going like nah you know get this yeah, hear him being like hey hey you like those fucking rocks i got more right here jim apparently would also read the morning paper to the family and by extension jeff and so one time one morning when jim was taking too long to read the morning paper he cried out read it out you fat-headed gnome <laughs> which i love that that's such like <laughs> jeff with the fat-headed fat gnome, gnome. i can't so... see it from the walls you asshole like imagine you the only like one of the few entertaining things that you got was this dude reading the paper. You can't come out and do it yourself. And he's like taking mm -hmm. forever. And you're like dying to know about, I don't know, the sports statistics or whatever mongooses care about. And then she also <laughs> imagine you're like eating breakfast and the paper's laying on the table and you're like, honey, can you pass the coffee? And then you hear this fucking enchanted mongoose from beside you being like, read it out, you fat-headed mo. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, like, I... If this was Vori, you fat-headed gnome 
is very much a 13-year-old's insult. If the 13-year-old girl was weird enough to be operating on this wave, and I say yeah. weird with respect there, yes. to be operating on this wavelength, I think calling her father a fat-headed gnome would be pretty low on like the list of surprising things about this. Incredible energy there. The thing is, like, there were no accounts of Vori being like that. There were two instances when Jeff was heard in the house um, that Vori was not present. So two of the instances where Jeff was heard by outsiders outside of the family, where Vori was, like, not there. Price uh, sent one of his researchers to check them out, I think, before he showed up first. Captain Denim Dennis. Captain Dennis. That was his Captain name. Captain Dennis. His name. As as far as I'm aware, his first name is Captain, and his last name is Dennis. Incredible. He was a businessman and a racing motorist. Described his price as very shrewd and not easily hoodwinked. And he made three trips there. On one of these visits, he was inside the house when he heard Jeff saying "plus fours Oxford bags," which is describing what he was wearing. Um, and the voice was seemingly coming from the walls. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Irving were in full view, so he could see them. And Vori was 100 feet away outside the house in an outlying stockyard feeding the hens. On another occasion, Dennis and James Irving were outside, um, 80 paces away from the house, and Vori was inside, and Jeff's voice could be heard outside by them. And um, Dennis himself was like, oh, that's Jeff, and he's like right there. Either Vori is like, has a, you know, what's it called? A ghillie suit and is crawling around outside to hide things. Um, or her and her father were both able to do the same voice in the same way. And they're both ventrilo ventriloquists. Yeah. And you're doing it for attention because that's really the only explanation that makes sense to me because they weren't profiting from this. They later had to sell yeah. their farm at a loss because of the rumors that it was haunted. So, like, oh. it actively impacted them in a negative way. So, and, and at that point, they didn't come forward and be like, it's fake. Yeah. They didn't even, they didn't, they were unwilling to even lie about it being fake or tell the truth about it being fake, however you want to mm -hmm. uh, look at that. Another person, Nandor Fodor, research officer for the in International Institute for uh, Psychical Research. I don't think this is still a thing, but it was in the 30s. Uh, <laughs> stayed at the Irving's house for a week without he seeing or hearing Jeff. He believed that Jeff was a split off part of Jim Irving's personality. Interesting. So I think that would be d nowadays what we would call DID, maybe. Mm -hmm, maybe. Uh, or perhaps schizophrenia. From what I know about DID and schizophrenia, having a degree from the University of Massachusetts Amherst uh, in psychology, this absolutely does not sound like either of those things. Yeah. There's not ventriloquy associated with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorders, nor is it associated with DID. Uh, if the person with DID believes, like, he, the fact that he's around when other people are hearing Jeff, eventually, I guess, they sell their farm to this guy named Leslie Graham, and he said that uh, he had shot and killed Jeff in the oh. press. Uh, like he oh went God. to the newspaper and said, with a body, and said, I, this is Jeff, I have killed him. And um, oh the body that he showed was black and white and big. 
uh, much larger than the mongoose was described. And when Vori was shown this, she said, she's like, that's not Jeff. Absolutely, that's not Jeff. Um, She actually passed away in 2005, which is a long-ass life, right? She made it. Which, again, again, I'm going to layer some more tinfoil on. Can I just say, if we're talking about, like, people who have been touched by magic, Mm -hmm. who live really long, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of, you know, uh, stories of witches and wizards living longer because of how magic they are. And yeah. if this this weird little dude liked Vori that much, who's to say if he gave her some of that mongoose magic? Um, <laughs> that sounds and... like a very horrible euphemism. I'm going to be real with you. <laughs> mongoose magic. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> she, so she was apparently born in, in like 1918 or 1917 if she was 13 in the 30s. Uh, so she lived to be uh, 88 years old. And she she maintained... Uh, in an inter- in an interview that Jeff was not her creation, and it was phrased that way, and I couldn't find the interview. Mm. I was curious that she said it was not my creation because that means that perhaps it was yeah. someone else's creation. But I think also that might be like a British speech pattern thing. Like that sounds like a British thing to say if you're saying I didn't yeah. make this hoax, that it wasn't my creation, that like he that Jeff existed separately yeah. of her, and that she was be he made or you know just there <laughs> and um that she was like raised in the 30s so i'm assuming her speech patterns are going to be different <laughs> not, not even as just british versus american that too but like old um yeah so i don't know but it also makes me think of like maybe she was doubting her own memories because it sort of scanned like the quote that i saw her saying like jeff was not my creation which is literally the only fragment i've seen makes me think that she might mm-hmm. be thinking like was my dad lying about it which in turn because i super don't think the dad was lying about it makes me think it was real yeah i believe no, i believe I that. her that it wasn't her creation the third the third tier of this is that maybe margaret was the mastermind and the reason that she was yeah i was about to say like maybe margaret was pulling a fast one on all of them for assorted motives that i cannot infer but again like that's what it that's what i keep getting back to it's like, why? Why? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. the the one, like, realistic explanation is that it was the 30s and there was nothing else to do. <laughs> I was literally about to say, I mean, it was the 30s. Again, like, when it gets to the point of, of it's 100 years past the fucking incident. Not, not, that's not even, that's barely an exaggeration. It's 70 years past the incident. And someone's like, so, did you make it up? And her being like, no, I did not. If it was a practical joke, if it was for attention, I would, if, and if she really was that good, I would want to brag. Absolutely. At 13, oh, yeah, I had a bunch of sure. adults running around. If you made people yeah. buy that, yeah. And she didn't even take the out of, you know, this dude said I shot and killed Jeff and her being like, that's not Jeff. Like that, saying that, because that yeah. would be a very easy end out, you know, she's, they're continuously provided these outs and they never take them, um, which makes me think that they at least believe what they were saying the other thing i think i would wonder about especially getting older is if there is the possibility of the memory of it kind of shifting like maybe like i it doesn't sound at least to me i do not have a psychology (laughs) i should preface this by saying that it doesn't sound outside the realm of possibility for me that a a joke or a ruse that you upkept for years and years when you were young oh you talk yourself into it yeah. Absolutely. If you then looking back on it, you 
you maybe remember some things that maybe you exaggerated, but you do start to kind of buy what you were selling. Yes, that is 100%. It could be a self-induced delusion of a sort. Mm -hmm. Um, How, and you know, the levels of how much that is a delusion would be the levels of how much she actually believed it whether or not she was just maintaining it you know like whether whether you know you're lying yourself because i imagine it would have been stressful it would have been to some extent if if you were like a 13 year old for years you had nothing better to you to do you started making this thing up and then suddenly all of these people started coming out of nowhere and the the Mm -hmm. focus on not only you but on your parents especially if what you started out with was just i'm gonna lightly screw with my parents or make up an imaginary friend because it's the 30s and there's nothing to do yeah if it then spirals into something so much bigger and so it becomes something you you feel the need the need to protect to to protect yeah from the sense of both protecting yourself and your own reputation but also your families i can absolutely see that that if she you know like cared about her parents a lot it would have looked really fucking bad for her parents yeah because of all the reports about how her father was really like into it as well he really believed it yeah that he really bought into it that their parents seemed to really that they were pretty sold on it is that 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 would also be then also like devastating in that you had been lying to your parents like that that you had been stringing them along so i imagine if you didn't start out with malintent i uh this one quote from a from a person from a researcher who wrote a book about it um joseph it's spelled j-o-s-i-f-f-e joseph 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 um really sums up my feelings about the case which is uh close a close reading of the primary sources combined with the testimony of the people who saw or thought they saw jeff or heard jeff uh would be sufficient to establish whether it had been a hoax or a genuine uh, genuine paranormal phenomenon so that's how he approached the case and then that's how i approached the case too i approached this thinking Mm -hmm. okay there is going to be either like fully someone's going to be like yeah you know james got drunk and told me it was all a hoax or the daughter later admitted it was all a hoax or it turns out that he had a huge brain tumor that they found after he died you know something like that um And then the more I was reading into it, the more, uh, the quote, the evidence became more conflicting, pointing on the one hand to fraud and at the same time to something inexplicable, which, yeah, it's the, what's the old saying? Um, three men can keep a secret if two of them are dead. Yeah. I think it's wild that this has survived for so long without being debunked if it is, was just fully a hoax. But then some people would say, yeah. well, it has been debunked because here's all the things that it was, and I'm just going to believe that. But I will, I will point out that that is just another form of belief. You can believe it was a hoax, and you can believe mm-hmm. that it was real. But because we don't have definitive proof one way or the other, it's both are a belief. Like, skeptics have to choose yes. to, be, to, to believe and not believe sometimes. Do you want to hear my theory? I would absolutely love to hear your theory on what this is. When I first started reading this... My thought was a ghost or a poltergeist or perhaps a demonic presence, but they yeah. are not often tied to foot ferrets, you know? Then I looked into creatures that it could be in folklore, and none of them really fit the bill. There's plenty of chimeras. Uh, there's plenty of creatures that have, you know, the face of a person and the body of a crocodile and the butt of a monkey or whatever. <laughs> not a lot of them are... In the mongoose family, 
and none of the ones that are even vaguely mongoose related and i'm including like raccoon fox like really broad broadly small forest creature uh none of them have human appendages unless they have like 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 even if they're specifically they have like human Mm -hmm. parts it's always like a face it's never hands it's never feet so that makes me think uh you know what what could this thing be and its descriptions as transforming into various creatures and the general mm. shape-shifting nature of this along with the fact that it can talk sing and uh call people fat-headed gnomes ins- yeah very ins- mischievous and insulting i'm diagnosing this with fuka i gotta because uh for those of you that may not know fukas are uh of celtic origin there is a great description of them in the spiderwick uh field guide which is was very formative for me as a youngling there's also a wikipedia article they normally take the form of these i don't know how to describe it it's all it's been described as like monkey like i wouldn't necessarily i can see why it would be to just be described as monkey like but they they are small furry creatures with uh yellow eyes weird sort of animalistic snouts oftentimes ears uh or uh and and they often are depicted with like hands and feet like a monkey oh. which i think is why people describe it as monkey like because it has like human hands and that feet that would make sense so now i'm thinking if you're seeing this small furry thing in the the walls of your house uh and you're living in the british countryside you might think weasel mongoose ferret if mm-hmm. you you know, don't know because no one there. I have not seen any. No one brought up Fukas. The Irvings also didn't seem to be very paranormally inclined. Yeah, being protective of a child and antagonistic toward an adult fits. There are stories of Fukas being protective of children and turning into a large black dog to like walk them home from school if the bully if they're getting mm. bullied. Um. There's also stories of a Fuka turning into, like, a small black horse uh, and, like, inviting people to try to ride it and then bucking them off. That's the sort of one-two punch of, like, I might protect you if I feel like it. I might, you know, throw rocks at you if I feel like it. All of that behavior was very Fuka-esque to me. Uh, Also, the singing. Fukas are known to, like, be sort of riddlesome. They will sometimes challenge you to a... A game of wits or whatever so the the singing nursery rhymes stri- stands out to me um that's something that i like to do and, and just his pattern of speech with the like yes. alleged quotes exactly the references to like eighth wonder of the world and adams and whatever but also i uh, you know fat gnomes i it just very <laughs> reeks of the fuka to me they're not a, a a house brownie that would stay in the house and they're not like uh, a guardian spirit or something like that that would travel with the family uh, it was sort of like I found this cool place and this cool person, and they feed me bananas. If they're leaving, I'm gonna I'm gonna go find my next place. So yeah, that's Jeff the mongoose. I would love to meet him. Yeah, I feel like y'all would vibe. I I, I it's one of those things where like every time I read about any sort of mythological creature or specific figure, like if we're talking about fairies or like specifically like Rumpelstiltskin, I always wonder mm-hmm. what it would be like to meet them. Not even in a fairy tale sense. Like I'm not talking about if I was locked in a tower and Rumpelstiltskin oh, showed up no. to, I to spin. I assume you meant you open your back door one day and it's not deer 
out in the woods, there's just this strange, fuzzy creature on the doorstep <laughs> with human hands, and it's just like, hello, I'm Jeff. Sup, bitches? Yeah, or even, like, like sitting down to have, like, a conversation with them and, like, a cup of coffee. Like, just what it would yeah. be like if we were, like, locked in a room together and we could, we, just to talk. Because there's also, mm-hmm. I think there's a fair amount of, like, I think in real life, if Jeff were to show up in my house right now, it would be very chaotic for me. I can imagine being very yes. stressed out by something living in my walls and maybe be unable to enjoy Jeff's witty rapport as a result of that. But like mm-hmm. in a controlled environment where I'm meeting <laughs> Jeff for an interview, <laughs> I could see that being very fun. I would want to show him Twitter. Oh my God. I think that would go wonderfully terribly. He would go viral and be deleted in a week. Oh. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And definitely, definitely makes me think, oh, the secondary theory is that it's a demon and it's lying. And it was feeding off of their yeah. uh, psychic energy. Whatever. Because yeah. anytime you get, demons are, according, this is this is heavily Catholic demon. So yeah. don't don't take this as... I guess you can take it as gospel because that's literally what it is, but don't take it as indicative of any other view of demons. But in Christianity and specifically Catholicism, demons are said to not be able to imitate quote unquote perfect humans. So they can't appear Mm -hmm. as like adults without looking. It's the, it's the explanation for why demons look like that when you see them. They show up as kids sometimes too, Exactly. That is the other thing. They will sometimes, because they can mimic children better, I guess, which is a weird say, way of saying children are deformed adults, but okay. Uh, <laughs> they can show up as children, which is also why you get things like the Sally house, where it's like a demon mm-hmm. pretending to be a little girl, but it's actually a demon. So, Yeah, and with the Annabelle doll, too, was like the pretending to be a little girl spirit. Exactly. Um, that being said, demons who are trying to pretend to be children... Demons pretending not to be demons are normally nice in are trying to be charming or sympathetic. Jeff showing mm-hmm. up and calling someone a fat-headed gnome and <laughs> like rocks. doesn't seem like demon behavior and I know that's weird to say because that does on its first glance seem like demon behavior, but like demons also aren't eating chocolate and bananas and uh singing nursery rhymes in a fun way. <laughs> They might be singing it in a weird way. So like... And I think think with it also is that if this was really a demon or a story of a demon, I would expect a certain degree of escalation into something actively harmful. Because I think you do get a lot of stories of that, especially like demons imitating children that are sort of a playful and mischievous kind of mean Mm -hmm. at first. And then then it escalates escalates into something much more outwardly Bad. malicious yeah shit starts but happening the escalation for the irvings is just that they started seeing it and he started talking more yeah it almost or like de-escalated he just became some dude to them he yes. wasn't a, he, he was like demystified to them in a sense which is usually like i feel like the opposite of what you would expect especially one that had attached itself to a child precisely like the fact that vori didn't you know start getting sick or vomiting blood or i don't know stabbing yeah. chickens um like i think a because a, a fuku is like a is a fairy right it's a member of the fae so getting mischievous and buddying up with like a child doesn't seem super out of the bounds of no, normal for that which again i think like with demons could go very very wrong 
very easily. Yeah, the Fae can the but, Fae sometimes take children. Yeah. But Fukas are also not known to do that yeah. mostly. I am the eighth wonder of the world and I am throwing gravel at you. Yeah, exactly exactly. That's that sort of behavior. Um versus like a Kelpie which is trying to drown you. Yeah, I was gonna say earlier when you mentioned that like there's uh, instances of like Fukas turning themselves into horses and trying to get people to ride them, mm-hmm. and then you said they buck them off, and I was like, that's about the best case scenario oh. you get with riding a fey horse. Getting bucked off and maybe embarrassed is so much better than anything that a kelpie wants to do to you, which is violence. And the the difference between the kelpie at horse and the Fuka horse is the best because if you picture a kelpie horse they're always described as like hauntingly beautiful oftentimes like dripping they're either white or like pure black the Mm -hmm. uh and like glistening usually wet because they came out of the water um sometimes they're described as having like you know weeds in their mane or whatever fuka horse is like is that a donkey or a mule it's just like a fucked what? up pony it's just a like like pot bellied little if you can picture those like mini horses that are just kind of mm-hmm. maybe big enough to ride which is another they, yeah. they usually don't target like people it's normally kids and then the kids get the shit kicked out of them but like a little bit not, they, again the horse isn't like curb stomping their face it's just like oh yeah get no, on me them off. and then it like throws them into a bush i had the thought legitimately of like what research can i do in america hundred years after the fact actually almost a hundred yeah. years after the fact jesus um Ooh. and i was like well i could try to do a seance but one i'm alone it's never a good idea to start inviting Maybe shit not. into your house when you're alone and mm-hmm. if it is a fuka this, uh, a seance isn't gonna contact it no. trying to contact the fey is a lot harder than trying to contact ghosts i think that's <laughs> gonna close the the chronicle of jeff the talking mongoose Slash Dalby Spook. I like the Fuka theory. I'm labeling this one as Fuka. Jeff, if you want to come contact me, if you're in the States, if you know what podcasts are and you're listening to this, um, you can't live in this house, but I would love an interview with you. <laughs> and I am willing to uh, compensate you with, with uh, I have chocolate, if you would like that. I have a jar of Nutella. That's all yours if you want a recorded interview. I know you're camera shy, so it will just be an audio-only format. Watch me, like, <laughs> next week release a fully, like, hour-long interview of me and Jeff, and it's very obviously just me doing a bad British accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be pretty good. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I have journalistic integrity, and I would never fake Jeff. <laughs> so that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you so much, Mora, for being a return guest. This was very fun. Uh, thank you loved to this. the whole Irving family, whether for your participation in this delightful hoax or uh, your chronicling of this very interesting your creature. Sick roommate. Um, yeah, your sick roommate. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have been your chimeric co host, Jack. Uh, and I've been your now slightly less confused co-host, Maura. <laughs> Bye. Bye.